The following podcast is going to contain spoilers along with me, just a regular guy, talking about all the things I love, such as comics, movies, television, music, and books. So yeah, proceed at your own risk. to another episode of Just Another Fanboy. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and I'm going to tell you a little something about myself. That was a lot of buildup for really nothing at all. I just wanted to say that I'm a big fan of Thor. Not the Norse god in general, the Marvel Comics character Thor. Always been a big fan. He is my number two as far as the Avengers are concerned. Captain America will always be on top. Thor comes in very closely underneath. They're they're practically parallel, but Thor is just slightly down. The only thing that doesn't put Thor up over the top is that Captain America is just awesome. I mean, how else do you want me to explain that? Hawkeye comes next, but we're not talking about Hawkeye, and we're not talking about Captain America. We're going to talk about Thor. See, here's the thing. As much love as I have for Thor, I don't remember when I first encountered the character. See, I started reading comics in the early to mid-80s, and more than likely, the first time I encountered Thor in a comic book would have been Secret Wars. It was either that or the Avengers. At some point, of course, I started reading Walt Simonson's run on Thor, which is epic. I need to get back to that, actually. Started it, talked about an issue, at least one so far, and just another fan. Why I need to get back to that. Anyway, I don't remember the first comic I read, which included Thor, but I do know that I've never read the comic in which he first appeared. Well, that was until recently. Did you see that coming? I bet you did. Thor first appeared in Journey into Mystery, number 83. It was written by Stan Lee with art by Jack the King Kirby. And the cover boasts the most exciting superhero of all time. And it came out in August of 1962. The story is called Thor the Mighty and the Stone Men from Saturn. Let me tell you what happens in this issue. We open on the coast of Norway. Dr. Donald Blake, who's a frail man, he walks with the assistance of a cane. He's on vacation. He stands there looking out upon the Norwegian landscape and turns just in time to miss seeing an alien spaceship land softly behind him. And then he walks away, misses the whole thing. Oh, this is some good Norwegian landscape here. I better leave immediately before something really interesting happens. And then he hobbles away. Three aliens made of stone emerge from the ship. These are the guys, if you've seen Thor Ragnarok, you know the big stone guy whose name suddenly I can't remember? He was the best part of the movie. Taika Watiti did his voice. He was awesome. He'd be like, hey, man, we're going to get on this big ship here. See, I'm not, I shouldn't, I shouldn't do accents. Stop it. Anyway, that's who these aliens are. They get off the ship and they start to prove to each other how the oxygen-rich atmosphere of Earth will help them conquer the planet. Behold how easily I lift this plant thing out of the ground, one of them says, and he rips a tree out of the ground. Well done, Gore. Now watch as I prove the invulnerability of our stone bodies. Without the slightest hesitation, I jump, for I know that nothing on this puny earth 
can harm me. He's, as he's saying this, he's running toward a cliff and he leaps from the cliff. And as he's falling to the ground below, he's still talking. He's giving this speech, half of it as he's running and jumping and the other half as he is falling. And of course, he lands on the ground and he's fine. As if our strength were not enough, we could rely upon our weapons. It will be child's play to conquer this planet when our main invasion force arrives. Three cocky aliens. Never a good recipe. So as this is going on, there's this old man. He's out for a walk, and he just comes stumbling upon the aliens. Luckily, they don't see him. He's like, eh, what's going on? And he turns around, and he beats feet back to the village to warn the others. Of course, nobody believes his wild tales. He's just a crazy old man. Beat it, crazy old man. Aliens, take a hike. Dr. Donald Blake, however, when he overhears this, he decides for himself that the guy doesn't appear to be mad. Hmm, aliens, you say? You don't look mad. Well, I'll go investigate. So he goes back to where he was and he comes upon the stone men and he realizes at that moment, he doesn't think about this. None of this enters his head as he's heading out to look for aliens. Once he gazes upon them, he realizes when they see him there, they're going to kill him. So he turns and just like the old man, he beats feet. He tries to anyway. I mean, he, he does walk with the assistance of a cane. And as he's making his escape, he steps upon a twig, giving himself away to the aliens who immediately give chase, knowing that they're going to catch up with him pretty quickly. What with the bum leg and everything, he takes shelter in a cave, but not before tripping and losing his cane off of the side of a cliff. Once in the cave, however, he finds himself good and trapped. There does appear to be a back door, but it's blocked by a boulder twice his size. And so he just gives up. He sits himself down on the cave floor, leans back against the wall, and just waits for his inevitable death. But then suddenly the wall opens up behind him, revealing a secret chamber, and inside, a gnarled wooden stick, which looks a bit like an old walking stick. He takes up the stick, thinking he can use it as a lever to move the rock but finds himself facing disappointment once again. In his frustration, he whacks at the boulder with the ancient stick. Lightning shoots out of the stick, and he begins to change. The cave is bathed in blinding light, like a fiery bolt of lightning. And the ancient cane, it, it's changing shape. And I'm changing too. Can this be really happening, or am I going mad? No, it isn't mad. I can feel my body bursting with power. Power such as I've never known. And that's when we see Thor. But he's very shadowy. We can obviously tell that it's somebody different. It's not Dr. Donald Blake anymore. It's a big dude, but he's still a bit shadowy. The cane, it has become a mighty hammer. And I have been transformed into... Into... Wait! There are words inscribed on the hammer. Whosoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. Thor, the legendary god of thunder, the mightiest warrior of all mythology. This is his hammer, and I, I am Thor. And he has to, honestly, he has to be screaming at this point because every sentence is followed not by one, but two exclamation points. And so Thor, talking to himself and the rocks around him, explains that the boulder, which he couldn't even budge, he can now lift as if it were cardboard. And so begins part two of our story, just six pages in, 
and it's entitled The Power of Thor. Thor creeps out the back of the cave, putting the boulder back, still talking aloud for all the world to hear, telling the trees, the stones, and the grass that the aliens will never suspect that their frail quarry escaped out the back. Thor then becomes rather thoughtful. He's not quite sure what to do, ignoring the threat that the aliens pose on the near village. I mean, they could be attacking and killing people as we speak, or as Thor speaks anyway. He contemplates how he might live his life going forward. Should he walk amidst the civilized world as a mythological god? It all becomes a bit too bewildering. And again, ignoring the alien threat, he takes pause to think it all through. So he has a seat, makes himself comfortable, sets the hammer aside in the grass, and begins to bend his mind to the problem at hand. But then without warning, as he is informing his surroundings that the fourth day of the week, Thursday, is named in Thor's honor, he is suddenly changed back to Dr. Donald Blake. But why? That's when he recalls the inscription on the hammer. Whosoever holds this hammer, that's it! He realizes that he has to continually hold the hammer. If not... He's going to change back to normal in about 60 seconds. So taking the hammer, he once more changes back into the Thunder God. At this point, shouldn't maybe he go do something about those aliens? I mean, really, the village is just within walking distance. Both a frail old man and a dude with a cane has walked back and forth between the village and this pastoral Norwegian landscape. The aliens could be at this very moment subjugating those poor people in the village or even killing them. But nah, he can't be bothered. Instead, he decides to find out just what the hammer can do, which honestly makes sense. He should probably figure all that stuff out with his power set before he just goes off and tussles with the passel of stone monsters. So really, not sure why I was making a big fuss. It, it makes sense. Plus, the readers, we need to know what's going on. We need to know what he can do. So he knows, according to the legends, that the hammer is enchanted, that if he throws it away, it'll come back to him. And so he tests his theory. He tosses the hammer away, and surely enough, it returns to his hand. The legends also say that the hammer is invincible and that nothing can resist it. So he throws it at a tree, and it smashes right through the tree and returns to his hand once more. Trees are not coming off very well in this book. They're not, they're not having a good time in this book. Many trees were harmed during the writing of this book. And frankly, the production of it, because it's made out of paper. He continues with the experiments. He taps the handle of the hammer twice on the ground. And with that, he can create rain or snow, which soon grows into a raging tornado. All the power of the storm, he says, is Thor's power to command. To end the storm, he stamps the handle three times on the ground. But if he only stamps it once, which is different than the taps that cause the storm, the hammer changes back into a cane and he changes back into Donald Blake. That, that's gotta be confusing for a person, right? They gotta make sure, okay, I gotta, I gotta stamp it and not tap it. But if I tap it, if I tap it twice, I'll make a storm. But if I just tap it once, I change back. But if I stamp it, this happened. It just, it just seems really complicated. And I have to imagine he carries around a little sheet of paper that gives him the code for the taps and the stamps and all that stuff. I also want to say really quick about the hammer. It's a bit different here than how we know it. The head of the hammer, the stone part, it's a bit smaller than what we're used to. It's more like the head of a sledgehammer. That's about how big the head is. It's not this big giant rectangular block 
that we know now. The handle is a bit longer as well, long enough that it can easily be held by four hands. And I'll be honest with you, I rather like it this way. I don't know why, but there's something about the way it looks back then that I find a little bit more appealing than the way it looks now. Not sure why or even when they made the change, but I do I do kind of like the old hammer. Thor. Also, Donald Blake knows a lot about Thor. It's probably why he's there, why he's vacationing in Norway. And it's frankly kind of interesting that his interest in mythology caused him to become Thor. And it's quite coincidental. So we go from Blake, who is now kneeling out there by the cave, feeling pretty darn good about himself. We go from there to a NATO airbase. They've picked up a fleet of unidentified flying objects and they scramble their jets to intercept. The UFOs, of course, are our stone aliens. And despite all their earlier talk about how powerful and strong they are, the villains take out the Air Force using trickery. That's right. They set up the monster image. Yes, a huge three-dimensional picture of a dragon-like creature that scares the pilot so much that some of them eject for fear of slamming into it. It's at this point, as the monster image fades away, the aliens talk a little trash. How easily we trick the earthlings. Naturally, the humans are a primitive race. It shall be child's play to conquer them. The humans, seeing the monster gone, attack, firing missiles at the alien spaceship. They prove ineffective, however, breaking in half as they strike the alien force fields. They don't explode upon the alien force field. When the warhead strikes the force field, they don't explode, which is what you would expect a missile to do. No, they just break in half and fall harmlessly to the ground. Of course, as the reader, if you're watching this happen and you're scratching your head and you're like, what's going on? I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on. Don't worry. The aliens will let you know. Behold how they try to stop us. As though mere rockets could penetrate our atomic force fields. The Earthlings have nothing that can keep us from descending on them. Nothing! But here's the thing. Those alien stone monsters shouldn't count their alien stone chickens before they've hatched. Because this is the moment that Dr. Donald Blake, seeing how the Earth forces are failing taps his stick on the ground, and in a clap of thunder and a flash of lightning, he transforms, causing the aliens to wonder, strange, a moment ago the sky was clear, yet now there is a storm brewing. How can this be? Our weather instruments did not forecast it. Thor, on the ground, narrates his every move, out loud, for I assume, you know, the visually impaired that may be hanging around. The enemy is a long distance from me, yet by using the might of Thor and whirling my hammer with the speed of lightning, I may yet be able to streak through the sky as the thunder god should. There, I release my whirling hammer for a split second, catching the unbreakable thong, and then I am pulled along after it like the tail of a rocket. I actually have no issue with this at all. The narration doesn't bother me. It leaves no confusion whatsoever about Thor's flying ability, which he doesn't know. He doesn't fly. Thor does not fly. Some people coming into Thor late in the career of Thor may just assume that he flies. But no, and he's, he's throwing the hammer. The hammer itself doesn't even fly. He is throwing the hammer with such might that by grabbing the loop, the thong at the end of the handle, it pulls him along. And I've always found that pretty darn cool. And with that, 
we begin with page 11, part three, Thor the Mighty Strikes Back. The aliens have landed and Thor is among them at once. Behold, one of the aliens shouts, an earthling flying through the air to attack us. Do not slay him. He must be captured and studied. Six of the stone men surround Thor, who spins, whacking each one in turn with his hammer. Capture him? How? His whirling weapons hold us at bay. But luck is with the aliens this day, because by sheer coincidence, Thor chooses to stand beneath something the aliens refer to redundantly as their capture cage. They drop it atop him, making Thor their prisoner. The cage doesn't hold him long, however, as he just simply rips the bars apart and steps free. The stone men now realize that Thor is just too powerful to be captured alive, so they raise their guns to disintegrate him. But before they can so much as get off a shot, Thor lobs his hammer their way and manages to knock every weapon from their hands. And so the stone men pull out the big guns, a robot they call the Mechano Monster, and they set it upon Thor, thinking to himself, that monstrosity looks like it has everything in its favor. Everything except, and then he says out loud, The Hammer of Thor! Thor swings the hammer, and lightning strikes the Mechano monster, blowing it to pieces. Well, that's all the aliens needed to see. Realizing that Thor is just too much for them, they run back to their ships, and they flee. Thor feeling pretty good about himself, sees soldiers approaching and fearing that they will question him incessantly until they learn his secret changes back into Dr. Donald Blake. Look, the invaders are flying away. But why? What could have driven them off? I don't know. There's no one inside except for that lame passerby with the gnarled old cane. Well, it's a sense that skinny gent isn't Earth's secret weapon. Ha ha ha! Ha ha! Foolish! Soldiers, what a bunch of idiots. Ha <laughs> ha, fooled by a skinny gent. But hey, it worked. The ruse, the ruse worked as ruses should. Nothing like a good ruse in a comic book. And so Dr. Donald Blake simply walks away. So the one thing about this story is that there's not a lot of captions, not a lot of caption boxes describing the action. Instead, all the action is being described from the characters within the panel. It's really a, a very silly way to talk, but really there isn't as much as you think there would be. And I really didn't think about it too much. It never really took me out of the story, which I actually found quite fun. Like I said, the hammer, I thought looked really good. I thought everything looked good. Jack, the King Kirby, looking really good in this issue. And it was kind of a fun introduction to this character. First of all, not set in New York. Isn't that weird? I mean, it makes sense. It's Thor. Why would this ancient gnarled cane that would turn somebody into Thor be in New York? But most of Marvel's stories take place in New York, but not this one. Now, I'm assuming in the next issue, Dr. Donald Blake is back home, which again, I assume is New York. I don't know why I'm bringing that up. I don't know why I'm making such a big point of it. It's really kind of stupid when you really think about it. But I've always liked the idea of Thor. And eventually they bring Hercules into Marvel and then Ares, the god of war. But Thor was the first one. And I like that idea because here is a mythological being. It is a quote unquote character that is in the public domain. Anybody could use Thor and get away with it as long as they don't draw him or describe him or really make make him look or act or anything like the one in the Marvel comics. I think uh I think they got a trademark on that. But you can use the name Thor. You can use the character, a Norse god called Thor. And I love the idea that, hey, we need a new superhero. 
and we need her to be super strong. How can we have somebody become super strong? Well, why why do we need to do that? Why don't we just grab from this pantheon of freaking gods from mythological lore? And uh, really, I don't know. I just think that that is a great, almost super genius idea. The thing is, though, I've seen other comic books, other companies try to use Thor in their books. The first one that originally comes to mind is is Rob Liefeld, who I'm pretty sure has used Thor at least twice. Now, I'm not including when he was doing Heroes Reborn for Marvel Comics. I'm not talking about the Marvel Comics Thor, but he did have Thor make an appearance in one of his image books. And he also just used Thor recently in this G.I. Joe Snake Eyes book. So he's got a thing for Thor too, but his Thor has never looked anywhere as cool as the Marvel Comics Thor. Now, the one thing Marvel Comics always got wrong with Thor, you don't see it in this book. Uh, Eventually, I don't know when it changes, but Thor starts talking like he is in a Shakespearean play. A lot of these and thous. And I never, even as a kid, I thought, I don't think a Norse god would say thee and thou. I don't I don't think that that's, that doesn't feel right to me. But one of his biggest, I, I don't know if I would call it a catchphrase, but I'm going to call it a catchphrase. It's the one thing, it's, it's the phrase I always associate with Thor. At some point in the 80s, as he's struggling and battling and fighting back against something that is overpowering him and oppressing him, he always as he is dealing that either the the mighty blow that knocks the thing out or the blow that brings him back into the game, he always yells out, I say thee nay. And I always thought that was, that was cool. That was so cool when I was a kid. I say thee nay. I always wanted to get into a fight with a bully or come upon a bully in school beating up somebody. And I just come up and go, I say thee nay and pop him in the mouth and knock him to the ground and be like, ha ha, I am like Thor. I am a hero. Thankfully, that never happened because I would have gotten my butt handed to me. So pretty thankful for that. But again, I've always liked Thor. I need to start reading some of the new stuff. I hear that Jason Aaron Thor is really good. And is it Donnie Cates that's doing Thor now? I'm not quite sure. I'm hearing good things about that too. But there's a bunch of big runs of Thor that maybe I'd like to start reading and and start talking about on the show. There's, of course, the Walt Simonson run. There is, after the whole Heroes Reborn thing, when Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld took all the Avengers characters and put them in their own pocket universe and tried to make them popular again, when that was done and they had the Heroes Return storylines in Marvel, Kurt Busiek and George Perez did the Avengers. Well, Dan Jurgens and John Romita Jr. were on Thor at the time. I remember liking that. J. Michael Straczynski did a run on Thor, which I had got into at the beginning and was enjoying and then stopped reading comics. And then, like I said, the Jason Aaron run and then the run that's going on right now. So since I have Marvel Unlimited right now, maybe I will add that to my series of episodes to start talking about Thor. But I don't know. I just know that I'm a big fan of Thor. And this was the first time I read his first appearance. And I'm really glad I did. Maybe I'll continue. If I do, maybe I'll talk about him on here. But until then, my name is Steven. And I'm just another fanboy. Be nice to each other. Be safe. Please wear a mask. Please. Just Another Fanboy is a Stephen or Else production. Questions and comments can be directed to feedback at stephenorelse.com. 
You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Stephen R. Orr and get instant access to the My Other Podcast podcast, a weekly show about all the comics and such I don't have time to talk about here. You can find me on the World Wide Web at stephenorelse.com or find me at Twitter and Instagram by searching for at Stephen or else. I also encourage you to subscribe to the show, leave us a five-star review, and share this episode with a friend. Just Another Fanboy is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can find that over at comicspodcasts.com. All links will be in the show notes. Good job. Ooh.